There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. We will continue exploring, discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on Fangirl Zone. I'm Richard Dave, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and today we'll be discussing the penultimate episode of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Now, we do have a special message for Dave here. <laughs> really? I thought all subspace uh, communication was down. Yeah, apparently. Jazz, One of them got, got through? <laughs> yeah, Jazz found a way to get through. I'm sure it's all hearts and flowers. This is Taryn Jazz with a review. Y'all suck, and not in a good way. Is that a short enough review for you, Dave? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I think she liked doing that. <laughs> I think she did, too. <laughs> awesome, <Wow>. Jazz. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Bat left's at dawn. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have invoked uh, Taryn Jazz. I should have uh, called her Orion Jazz and make her walk around in green paint all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's your next. That's your next assignment, Jazz. You can be an Orion. Yeah, <laughs> send pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Y'all suck, <laughs> and not in a good way. Not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you gotta love our uh, feedbackers, man. They are just awesome. <laughs> At least they do love us, or at least one of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not sure which. <laughs> well, what'd you think about this episode, Dave? You know, I was surprised this was directed by Jonathan Frakes. I've seen him better, the character development. Not right. that it was a bad episode, but uh, there were a couple of times where it seemed like it dragged to me. I'm like, where are we going? What are we doing? Right. And then, I, it, then of course, it dawned on me, it, as we creep near the end, that uh, they're not going to wrap it up in this episode. On to episode three of this arc. Right. And so that means if they end in a, a cliffhanger for the final episode, it'll be episode four. It'll be a four-parter yes. starting the next season. Good grief. <laughs> well, I know that we uh, were curious about the very first episode of the season. And they did a real good job of hiding it, but when we get to the end, we'll uh, <laughs> kind of discuss what they did with the episode titles. But I thought it was, a yeah, maybe the Vance and Osira back and forth made it a little bit longer than it needed to be. But I do think that everybody kind of thought that Osira was being honest because, of course, Eli wasn't catching her in a lie until the very end. <laughs> she goes, glitch. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not so sure about that. I still don't trust her as far as I could throw her. And I thought Vance did a real good job of basically dragging it out yeah, so that maybe the crew could get Discovery back. I kind of thought that was really what his whole 
game plan was was to just stretch it out as long as he could because they saw Book's ship come yep. in. So they you almost have to figure that yeah, there was something wrong and give well, the crew he, a chance he, he to. He saw it. Don came over Marblehead. I thought he was rather quick with Eddie. He was like, uh oh, he just fell for one of the oldest traps in the world. So right. he acted correctly. He was probably one of the better leaders. Yes. On the episode. <laughs> Smart and confident. But uh, yeah, I, I just thought that this there was odd narrative leaps too. Like, see, Book was captured with, uh, what's his name? Ren. 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 Yeah. And we didn't even see that. The next thing you know, they're just standing there. Right. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, we see him firing and taking out a few of the bad guys. But then, yeah, all of a sudden they're on the bridge captured. Yeah. And you know what? I think there's a villain problem in this show, too. I, I've heard the complaints about, let me look up her name here, Janet Kidder being right. Osira, that she doesn't doesn't have the chops. She certainly has the lineage. Yes. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if she's miscast, but even uh, the other bad guy who made a return appearance yeah, in the show, Zara, played by Jake Weber, he's he's uh, he's nothing that, that scary. Nope. When they had the Klingons to start, I mean, they're a great, you know, they're spitting fire and and uh, they they everything's violent. They even love each other violently. That's a bad guy you can get behind. But these guys are like, what was it? Uh, we get some feedback. The one of them seemed drunk. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Zara seemed jazz. a little drunk. <laughs> yeah. I, these guys just aren't that, I don't know, fearsome at all. Right. They're yeah. like low-level gangsters. Yes. I'm waiting, for, <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to come in with their you-know-what together. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this episode. Number 12, there is a tide. After capturing the Discovery, Osiris seeks a meeting with Admiral Vance while Burnham and the crew must overcome unimaginable odds as they attempt to regain command of their ship. There is a tide. What does that mean to you? I thought it had something to do with laundry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, a Shakespeare reference, so... Oh, God. Of course we have to have Shakespeare in Star Trek. Well, of course. And <laughs> <laughs> the fall of the Roman Empire, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not a good sign. Oh, no. With Osira in the USS Discovery A center seat and the Viridian pretending to pursue Starfleet Vessel on its approach to Federation headquarters, Admiral Vance remains unaware that the Admiral Chain controls a Crossfield-class starship. Zara, the courier who has last seen venturing into a parasitic ice-filled environment in the episode Fire From Home, makes his surprising return overseeing the, the chain's regulators and imprisoning Rin and Discovery's bridge crew in the ready room. He should have been snarling at him. I know he, he brandishes his nasty hand. Yeah. But he should have used it. Like, yeah. grabbed grabbed Tilly by the throat with a nasty hand. Yeah. Aboard the Nautilus, Burnham and Book braved the debris-laden courier transwarp network to arrive at Federation headquarters, crash landing on Discovery's hangar bay just as the ship enters the refuge uh, shield barrier. I had a problem with that, too. Oh, no. <laughs> you, you, you just don't leave the back door open. Right, but it's always been open. It can't be open. Anybody would sucked out it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they probably have a force field, but the reason... Yeah, but how do you crash? How do you crash through a force field? Well, they didn't. They had, to, they had to lower their shields to go through the uh, barrier. And yeah, that you know, opened that, up the... That opens up the back door? Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. At least closed the, closed the blast doors. I think the, the earlier Enterprise had doors. They didn't, I, just, just, I mean, we just did a, another podcast on The Mandalorian, and everybody's going in and out doors all the time oh, no. on that one, too. <laughs> I mean, the, even this episode, you can blast someone in the space if there's a fire. Right. <laughs> but then again, you can you can ram your spaceship aboard it. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Right. You know, they, they, 
if you're smart enough to keep space out, when the only one is a fire and you seal everything else off, you should be smart enough to seal your uh, shuttle bay off. Right. Strong enough force build. I don't see how dropping the shields would affect it. But uh, I think it was, uh, I listened to Fred's feedback, and he, he was a bit concerned, we'll get there, about the writing. Right. I share his concern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll continue. Aware of the need to prevent Osire from using Stamus to jump away, Book hands Burnham a, a life sign concealing device and convinces her to search for the astromycologist. Book promises to distract the regulators from, from can't they just say stormtroopers are bad guys? Yes. From, from, from no, it's a, a regulator. I'm picturing some type of yeah. steam piston type of, I don't know, needle. Yeah. Like, let me adjust the regulator here so all the steam doesn't get out. Anyway, he put he promises to distract the regulators from noticing Michael, even though she's invisible. Right. Despite the dangerous surrounding of Burnham and Book, take a brief moment to express their love for one another. That was rather a singular event, too. Yes, it was. Came we've out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I, we've seen some affection. Did, did Riker ever say to Troy that he loved her? I can't remember. And certainly Picard had plenty of girlfriends. <laughs> right. I, I never, I don't, I can't, re- I mean, someone can uh, disabuse me of that, but I, I don't recall one character saying I love you to another. Right. Huh. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was cute that Burnham says, you know, is this the wrong time to say I love you for the first <laughs> time? And he goes, it's not the first time. You talk in your sleep. Oh, that was hilarious. That was hilarious. That was probably the best writing in the whole episode right there. Yeah, just about. <laughs> in the personal interaction, that's, I think Frakes really knows how to direct Michael Burnham. I should say, Sonequa Martin-Green. Right. They, they really seem simpatico. He's probably, I don't know, his best pupil? Very well could be. Well, Osira heads to engineering where Emerald Chain scientist Aurelio prepares to study the connection between Stamets and the mycelial network in hope of bringing the technology to the entire galaxy. So this immediately tells me that, yeah, everything that Osiris is saying once she gets into the Federation is absolutely BS. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was clever that she uh, pretty much presented her side without lying about it. Because yes. as far as we know, all that's true too. It's all yes. true. T- you have to get to ulterior motive. Maybe that's where Vance failed. Right. I mean, you, you finally did trap her, but yeah. <laughs> so after Lieutenant Timo informs Vance that Captain Saru has not sent any transmissions to him, the Admiral deduces that Osira holds dominion over Discovery and orders the fleet to prepare to fire. <laughs> However, Minister Osira, and since when has she been called Minister Osira? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> contacts Vance to open a dialogue, offering the return of her captives, minus Book Wren and the senior officers, as a good faith gesture. Uh, back on the ship, Burnham subdues a regulator and acquires his comm unit, sustaining a knife wound in her leg in the process. That was a good part, too. Yeah. I loved her reaction, especially when she had to pull it out. Yeah. Hurt enough going in, it's going to hurt a lot going out, too. Oh, yeah. And I like how she got the stiffness. Anybody that's had a a puncture or anything that knows it gets stiff almost right away. Yes. That self-splinting part of her, the human anatomy. Yes. And it was a little bit curious that they didn't follow the blood to find her. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, I thought that too. Why didn't you just phaser yourself when you were stuck like that so you didn't leave a trail? Right. And why didn't she have a little med kit with yeah. her? You know, everything else fits inside her combat. Right. <laughs> now, unable to reach anyone at 
headquarters, Michael sends a distress call to Gabriel Burnham on Navarre and acknowledges this might be the final message she will be able to share with her mother. That came out of nowhere as well. Yeah, no. <laughs> That was good. I like that. Yeah, it was. And I wonder <laughs> Call if we'll... mom when you're in trouble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in the ready room, we see the bridge crew <laughs> and Reese and Bryce just make sure they annoy the hell out of the regulators oh, yeah. by tapping. Yeah. Stop that tapping. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they cause a distraction and are able to take down the two regulators and begin to outline a plan to retake Discovery. You know, though, what are you doing? Are... Yeah, I don't <laughs> oh, totally it's Morse code. First year Starfleet Academy. Brother, <laughs> allow me to quote some Shakespeare, too, while, while we're at it. Right. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Osira and a small cadre of regulators beam over to meet Vance, who employs the holographic Dr. Eli as his personal lie detector. I, I, I wanted to mention the outfits that the regulators wear. Yes. At least well, most of them. That looks like an out helmet on it. I'll have to find a picture. But it looks pretty close, except for one alien that didn't need a helmet. He just needed his ugly face. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that they might have been converted Borg. That would have been better. Right. Take off that helmet and you see all the (laughs) leftover hardware. Yeah. I wonder why they wear the helmet. Exactly. Okay. Well, shockingly, Osira conveys a genuine desire for peace, explaining that she wants the Emerald Train to unite with the Federation. She has a plan. Doesn't know what it is. Right. (laughs) I'm sure it's selfish. Osira sees sees establishing a new Federation as a step step forward for her people and the means to replicating uh, the Discovery Spore Drive for all to use. She must want to use it to, I mean, it's great to so you could hop around anywhere. Right. But she must want to hop somewhere. There must be somewhere she wants to go. Right. I guess. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. But if she gets all the uh, uh, dilithium, why does she need to hop everywhere? I don't know. I hope I, I hope there's a reason. Right. In engineering, Aurelio and Stamets bond over opera, yet the astromycologist attempts to convince his chain counterpart of Osiris' cruelty. That's kind of struck me as the reverse Stockholm syndrome. Right. Stockholm Syndrome, that's pre-Boomer talk. Yes. <laughs> there was a famous hostage situation in Stockholm where the hostages actually came to identify with the hostage takers. Right. Which stunned the rescuers. Like, what are you doing? We're trying to save you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as Boomer talk is concerned, in my lifetime early on, there was a famous kidnapping of the print heiress, Patty Hearst. Yes. She was kidnapped, and the next thing, well, I mean, not the next thing, but she's actually going out robbing banks with them later on. Yep. And this time, well, in this particular era, we didn't see, see Stamets go over, but once they bonded, which is kind of the Stockholm Syndrome, um, he tried a little bit of reverse on it to bring the guy over to his side. Right. And I thought you he know. did that pretty well. Yeah, especially about kids. Yes. That too. Stamets even goes far as to describe Adira as his own child, illustrating both his true feelings for them and his fears that they are in peril on the dilithium planet. That's interesting. Yeah. I know they were bonding, but wow. Is that like the inner child? That would be, uh, what's the name of Ben? No, not Ben. Buck. No, not Buck. Buck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the one of the inner voices to uh, Adira. Right. Gray. 
Yeah, gray. I know it should be color. Sorry, Sorry, gray. Anyway, where was I going? Nowhere. (laughs) Up in his work, Aurelio stresses a sure statement that he will find a way to safely recreate the astrobiologist's link to the mycelial network as negotiation. Scary. I know. We'll just make it. We'll just grow it. Yeah. I suppose you're going to kill me. No. 32nd century, dude. Why would I want to kill you? Right. (laughs) As negotiations proceed, Osiris requests that the Federation sanction trading with the mercantile exchange, but Vance hesitates over the unconscionable acts of slavery that the chain perpetuates. Yeah, Aurelio. (laughs) Come on, man. Osiris presents the Admiral with a written armistice and informs him that she has submitted a charter amendment to outlaw slavery. Got all the answers. The Admiral Chain even commits to abiding by the Prime Directive going forward, as well as walking back their incursions on worlds just as a question. Yeah, she has an answer for everything. Oh, yes, she does. Now, of course... I thought it was curious that she t- said that, yeah, it'd take 15 years to step back from all these pre-warp uh, civilizations. And you kind of go, 15 years? What the? <laughs> I mean, Quajon only had the transworms. That was the only thing that they wanted off of Quajon. So, yeah, yeah. They don't need those that bad. So once Rin proves able to cause disarray with Discovery's life sign detectors, Tilly sits out to retake the ship. Let's hope she has some better luck this time. Aurelio and Stamets continue to debate Osiris' tactics as the alarms sound, allowing Burnham to sneak in and stun the Emerald Chain operatives. Stamets argues that an immediate jump is necessary to save Saru, Culber, and Adira, but Burnham knocks him unconscious with a Vulcan nerve pinch and ejects him from the ship in an emergency escape field. That was a little bit interesting, (laughs) too. Puts him in a soap bubble and blows him out. Yes. (laughs) First time we've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. And, you you know, it was nice to see the phaser on overload again. We hadn't seen that. Oh, yeah, sure. I know it. Tried and true. Yeah. Impressed by the armistice, Vance asked for one more concession that Osira be tried for her well-documented crime. And, of course, that's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, who asked for that, though? That's like, I don't know, in real life asking, uh, let's say, Iran to come up with a nuclear treaty. And they right. say, yes, but first all you guys have to quit. And the answer to that would be no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Admiral agrees that the Federation and Emerald Chain should join together, but the Orion departs in anger. Returning to Discovery's bridge, Osiris pressures the recently captured Wren and Book to fix the internal sensors, and (laughs) Wren is not going to do it. Book offers to guide the chain to the Dilithium in the Ruben Nebula, but a furious Osiris still executes Wren. Boy, he just like puffed, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Just a lot of times, great. <laughs> yeah. This was like pieces floating everywhere. Like, I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> I, usually back in the day when someone would be phasered to death, they would like glow red. You could see a, a red outline of the body and then they would just disappear. Right. Actually, I thought when he did, you know, float a few pieces through the air, I thought maybe he's lying on the floor or did he actually disintegrate him? I, I guess he actually disintegrated yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing left to rin. So he can come back as a different alien. <laughs> yeah. Aurelio witnesses the brutal deed and reacts with horror. So maybe we'll get a switch here. Wouldn't it be interesting that if Aurelio is able to interface with the mycelial network and gets him back to the Veruban <laughs> Nebula with wow. Stamets sitting on... <laughs> 
in Starfleet headquarters. Oh, wouldn't that just piss him off even more? Yep. Now, Zara apprehends Burnham just as the science officer manages to get Stamets away from Discovery. Thank God. Tilly and the bridge crew move through the ship, taking down several regulators and securing a weapons locker. Armed and ready, the team bumps into three Starfleet .23s. <laughs> Controlled by the Sphere Data, the repair robots pledge themselves to assist Tilly in her quest to recover Discovery. You know, I think uh, Star Trek has a little Star Wars envy there. Yes. <laughs> cute little robots. <laughs> yep. We can have cute robots, too. I know Fred has a problem with that, too. Yeah. Coming up. Yeah, the parallels, yeah, the parallels between Trek and Mandalorian this season is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was awesome to see R2 deep boop. Yeah. Spoiler alert for the end of the Mandalorian. Certain robot. <laughs> yes. R2 D2. That was awesome. I love that. But uh, these guys, they don't have the same, like, so what? <laughs> yeah. And it's going to make a long time for the robots to be cute. Right. And it was. Uh, yeah, Fred did have a problem with the sphere data being able to be held in three dot uh, 23s when it was almost more than the whole computer system itself could yeah. hold. Maybe they have, I don't know, the 32nd century version of a cloud. Right. You know, <laughs> maybe that's, I don't know, it's in the uh, Federation headquarters. Yeah, it could be. Now, <laughs> what did you think about Tilly's statement that if somebody goes down, we keep going? That well, that's didn't true. Yeah, that didn't sound like Tilly. <laughs> no, I know. I, I'm still not that impressed with her. I know. I think it's. Uh, I think Jazz is going to say she looks pretty badass with a couple of phasers in her hand. Right. But uh, she's no Bo-Katan, though. No. <laughs> there was one point in the episode where she says, "When Book takes uh, charge of the situation," and but she pleads she has a plan. Right. She looked pretty shaky. Yeah. And, but I got a plan. <laughs> okay. Well, your plan would have been nothing if Book didn't show up. Right. I mean, what 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 would that plan be? Give give a wink. Yeah. Hey there, sailor. <laughs> I don't know. There is no plan unless those guys, unless the cavalry shows up somehow. I don't know. Right. I know. I know they wanted to, to seem pretty ba at the end, but I, I'm just not convinced of it yet. We'll see. Right. Yeah. We need to see a little more in action for Tilly. See yeah. if she can actually become Killy. Yeah. She does seem chagrined by it all because she did admit the ship was taken under her watch. Right. And Osira rubs it in by saying, it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah Zara did. Yeah. It took <laughs> us all of 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Would have been longer if someone else was in the chair. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> You might have a point there, but then again, you know, it, it brings up the point of why didn't, uh, in a previous episode, why didn't Tilly, if she has a problem with Stamets, just bring him aboard the bridge, you know, point-to-point -point transfer? Yeah. Or at least point-to-point -point transfer of the security detail, the engineering, instead of just yelling over the, the, you know, the communication network. Hello? Right. Sitting in my chair watching it. Hello, send security. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see if they get, this is some of these holes. That's certainly not Jonathan Brake's fault, but it's what he had to work with. Right. Mm. So, if you want to get into a little Easter eggs and Boomer talk, not that we haven't gotten into Boomer talk. Or, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So, uh, as far as Easter eggs are concerned, as the Discovery jumps in near Federation HQ, Commander Willa, Vanessa Jackson, tells Vance Odin Fair that the baryonic residue of both the Disco and Osiris ship match that of the Ruby Nebula. Baryonic residue refers to the baryonic sweep, a process of cleaning a ship. This idea was first introduced in the Next Generation episode Starship Mine, written by Morgan Gendel. 
In There is a Tide, this episode, Burnham has her own starship mind adventure reminiscent car-taking beckoneration during... Oh, glad I could have mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> After Osira dismisses the extra data that can't be deleted in Discovery's computer, hint, hint, we see a pair of eyes seemingly hiding in one of the computer screens. That's Buster Keaton, the famous silent film actor. The Discovery's computer was showing the crew Buster Keaton movies in the episode Forget-Me-Not. I, I hadn't even thought about this fear. Right. That, but now that we saw a little bit of the movie, I'm like, oh, oh, oh right. Yes. <laughs> Ghost in the Machine. As Burnham and Book barrel through the Transwarp Courier Network, Burnham worries that they're about to hit a Wanderer-class ship. Although never mentioned in an on-screen canon, some computer displays in the next generation identified Wanderer-class ships. Most relevantly, non-canon material has long suggested that Wanderer-class ships are made by the Orions. I wonder what they're made of. They're that dangerous. You don't want to bump into them. Right. I think it was just the size. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that place is a mess. What happened to Do Not Litter? Right. <laughs> just leave these ships. Yeah, that kind of reminded me of the um, Voyager episode when they found that one, uh, what was it, liquid space or something? They could yeah. manage to have gotten home real quick, but right. it's too yeah. too much debris in there. Beloved actor Kenneth Mitchell appears in this Star Trek uh, Discovery, his fourth on-screen role. And this time he was human. Previously, Mitchell played Cole in Discovery Season 1 and both Cole Shaw and Tanovic in Season 2. Mitchell also did three different voices in the Lower Decks episode, Veritas, which makes his new Discovery character, Arillo, his seventh Trek character overall. Busy. Yes. In real life, Mitchell has lived with ALS since 2018 and as such has been confined to a motorized wheelchair since 2019 again like Joe jones actual human face that we i finally saw last week actually seeing kenneth mitchell's face was a real treat yes he really is a human poor yes, guy though he is <laughs> i thought they did they handled the disability extremely well as also mm. yeah yeah, it's good to see that they care enough about their actors' real life. Yes. To give them uh, opportunities like this. So although we're seeing images of the new 32nd century phasers since the start of the season three, this is the first episode of Discovery in which we're actually seeing these phasers being fired. Bernard first uses the phaser to cauterize one of her wounds and later uses it to stun the guards in the spore cube section of the ship. Notably, these new phasers have a solid blue beam, which is very reminiscent of the original series. I wonder if they, you know, they have a stun, uh, stun and kill or whatever. Oh, absolutely. They, have, they should have a med pack type like she used it. Yes. <laughs> med pack setting so you just cauterize wound. People still get cut, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Burnham sends a distress call to her mother, Gabrielle Burnham. This means Burnham sent the signal to Navarre, formerly Vulcan, and that she's not just asking for her mother's help, but the help of the entire Kowat Malat. Arguably, Burnham is speaking in code. She tells her mom, and she may never see her again, which is another way of saying she's a lost cause. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we learned in Star Trek Picard, the wars of the Kowat Malad only bind themselves to a lost cause. So, in a sense, Burnham is asking for an army of Romulan Vulcan human warrior nuns to come over to Federation HQ and start swinging swords and balafs. Probably. Hopefully. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, do they save that for the end of the episode, the middle of the episode? Again, another parallel, maybe to the Mandalorian. We know who came to the rescue at the exactly. end of that episode. Yes. <laughs> I think so. I don't know if the writers are 
buddies between the two shows, but dang, they're so similar. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. Well, in prison, Bryce, which is Ronnie Rowe Jr., and Reese, Patrick Kuak Chun, communicate to each other by tapping Morse code to each other. Oh, whoa. <laughs> mentions, this Joanne, mentions that this is something they learned in their first year of Starfleet Academy. I love the way she fights. Oh, yes. She, she must be the best fighter on the bridge. Yeah. This echoes Scotty using the Morse code in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, when he's trying to break Kirk, Spock, and Bones out of the brig while the Enterprise was controlled by Cybok, who, as you know, is like Burnham's other stepbrother. That's right. <laughs> Te technically. So how do we get from Bryce and Reese tapping out Morse code to warning what Burnham knows about Cybok? Yep, that's Star Trek canon for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when Aurelio talks about the Paul mentions, he – I don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're talking about the Andorian opera. Yeah. And it was funny that Stamets really hated the opera. Yeah. Until Colbert kind of let him know that, yeah, he loves the opera. So, of course, Stamets became a opera aficionado just for his love. So, oh, Okay, I get you. Stamets, his character has taken a really unusual turn this season. It really I, has. So, sometimes I don't know what to make of him. I know. <sighs> I He's did. a lieutenant commander, too. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, almost, you know, back and forth, ping-ponging like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in the writing. Detmer is, seems to have recovered from her PTSD better than Stamets has so far, and he's got everything he lost, so <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, I, yeah. This isn't exactly an Easter egg, but it's notable that Paul refers to having a child, clearly indicating that he views Adira as his surrogate kid. I'm, and I, I, I thought to myself, is that really earned? Did he earn that? I mean, we're supposed to identify with him because he identifies with her. Right. In parenthood. So there must be a, an emotional factor, but I'm not sure they've earned that. Right. We, it's only been a few episodes where he's decided to take her under a wing. Right. I don't know. Paul mentions the type of DNA is from a long stink ver uh, version of the mutated tardigrade. This refers to Ripper from Discovery Season 1, who presumably has been dead for a long time. That said, if we take the events of Ephraim and the Dot canon, then apparently some tardigrades, not Ripper, can move through time and space pretty rapidly. So are they all extinct? Oh, I'm thinking really not. They can just, I guess not. Coming through the wormhole or something like that. Humans, Vulcans, Romulans, <laughs> Rippers, Tardigrades, <Yeah>. the <laughs> Face Whales. So Burnham uses the internal fire suppression of the USS Discovery to activate an airlock in order to put out a fire. LaForge and Crusher did something similar in the Next Generation episode, Disaster. Although this was activated manually, it was actually because they wanted to put out the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still, I, I still have a problem with uh, you got to keep space out. Space bad. Right. Can't go into space. We saw someone go for a walk in this episode. Yeah. And it didn't end well for her. No. <laughs> Floating in front of the, the view screen like, hey, I know her. Yeah. And then she just crumbles to pieces. Yeah. So it still bothers me. You can crash book ship into the back end there. There's got to be a force field. You can't just leave it open. Right. Like that. Okay. I'll leave it alone, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to continue, Admiral Vance says the matrices of the food replicators use shit. <laughs> I'm surprised he even said that. Oh, I know. <laughs> As, <laughs> I was just sitting there watching TV, and I'm like, what did he just say? <laughs> I know they dropped F-bombs, but they didn't join an S-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, they use it as matter, which is later reorganized to make actual food. Mm, yum. 
It's unclear if this is something that has happened recently with the Federation, or if old-school replicator matrices use different basic matter to make food. It seems like that because the Federation is so cut off from the rest of the galaxy that ship, shit replicators <laughs> are, are, are a post-burn type of thing. Yeah, but they, they have uh, – they can make matter out when they're trying to fix something. What do they call right, that? Right, the programmable matter. Yeah, programmable matter. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are used I don't know. When you throw, I'm not going to say they're throwing another log in the fire. Yes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't get that either. But moving along, <laughs> Michael uses the bulk. Yeah, this is cool. Michael uses the Vulcan nerve pinch on Stamets in order to get him into an escape pod. Michael hasn't used the Vulcan nerve pinch in a while, but. Somewhat famously, she did use it in the very first episode of Discovery, the Vulcan. Hello. Hello. And another odd connection to Next Generation Starship Mind. That was the first episode in which we saw Picard, a non-Vulcan, use the Vulcan nerve pinch. Like Burnham, Picard probably learned the nerve pinch from Sara. Oh, absolutely. When he mind-melded with him, he probably it just became part of his existence. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I, you know, I just can't remember who came first. Yeah, <laughs> in the, the original series, the introduction of Spock, or was it Sarek? I can't remember. Right, because I mean, he met Spock. Spock's the big, the biggest user of the pinch. Oh yeah, and then when Spock used it, they always had that music go along with it. Da-da! Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they had any special music for Burnham. Nope. <laughs> At the you no, know, too bad. At the end of the episode, Tilly and her gang realize that the emerging sentient cohesiveness of the USS Discovery has hidden itself in the dot twenty three robots. Right, Fred. <laughs> These are the newer 32nd century versions of the dot bots we first saw in Such Sweet Sorrow. The voices of these bots are done other than Annabelle Wallace, who is the voice of Zora in the Michael Chabon pen Short Treks episode Calypso. In that episode, we learned that a sentient version of Discovery who harbored a castaway named Kraft, which is Aldous Hodge, it's unclear how Calypso actually fits in the canon, but this is the second time we've heard Wallace's voice in Discovery Season 3 in Forget-Me-Not. The Sphere Data, voiced by Wallace, spoke to Saru directly and started making movie night a, a thing for the uh, crew, specifically the Buster Keaton movies. Yes. So we better hope uh, they have a – the Sphere has a cloud. Yes. <laughs> <That she keeps. laughs> Backup data somewhere. Yeah, yeah. In Calypso, maybe they will explain it. I have a feeling they won't. Right. Probably not. That, we'll have to ask Fred if that'll drive him crazy and make him mad. Yeah. <laughs> In the episode Calypso, Zora was obsessed with the Audrey Hepburn film Funny Face, meaning it seems her tastes are still connected to the old black and white classics. But does that mean the ship will actually get totally abandoned by the end of the season? We'll see. I don't think they're going to be quite ready uh, to abandon it just yet. No. Well, we do have some feedback. All right. As usual, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has given us some feedback, so let's hear what he thinks of the episode. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 12, the penultimate episode of Season 3. First off, I really think that Tilly does a good job, but it feels a little unreal to have a person so certain of herself and actually being so young in age as well as in experience. Actually, it feels quite unrealistic. So every time she acts quite tough, it feels immediately also unreal. But I don't want to say anything about the acting of Mary Wiseman. That's quite okay, but it's just in the writing. 
I was quite amazed about the negotiation between the Admiral and Odessa. Actually, she came with a good proposition and I thought he was riding his federation horse a little bit too much because she even wanted to step down as a leader in the sense of that the face of the emerald participation in the federation had to be somebody else she even understood that well i found his negotiations a little bit unequal because the admiral had a ai lie detector sitting there but how does she know he doesn't lie where is her own lie detector how often did this lie detector if it was a neutral one say oh what the admiral is saying is the truth just start this alliance get peace and then see it later when you get her into a trial or something like that it's already so amazing what she proposes and genuinely meant it of course i like the 3.23s at the end i only was amazed that in just 3.23s all sphere data fit same is true in the beginning when one of odessa's Lieutenant says that there is a little piece of data they don't control yet. How so, little piece of data? And at the end, I just found it a mean trick by Stamets saying to Michael, and we just followed you because we didn't want to leave you alone in this future, etc., etc. Whereas they actually went to the future because that was the only place where the sphere data would be safe. And it's more or less the other way around. Uh, Michael had to sacrifice herself to find the way through this wormhole-like structure so that the discovery with the sphere data could follow her. Or am I wrong there? So, not so nice trick, Stamets. But yeah, if you are going to lose the love of your life, you are saying everything, obviously. This gives me another idea, by the way. One of the reasons the discovery had to go to the future was because the sphere data was fully integrated in the computer systems of the discovery. And now is the sphere data in 3.23 robots? What? Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Great points by Fred. Yes, absolutely. And we kind of uh, touched on several of them in our <laughs> yeah. episode discussion, that's for sure. Great point on Eli, though. Why did she have her own lie detector? How do you know we can trust Eli? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There, There has definitely been some weak writing this season where we're just, I know it's TV, and they gloss over these things. But still, it should, it should follow logically. If there's if you set out rules, you have to follow your own rules. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, did you think Tilly was acting too confident for someone as young as she? But or is it more she knew she screwed up by letting them take the ship, and she was bound and determined to get it back? That's kind of the way I read it. Yeah, me too. I, I wonder if uh, I was just thinking of what Fred was saying there, and if Saru is out, and the way Stamets has been acting, I mean, who would be captain? Let's say Saru is out because we had postulated earlier that why is Michael Burnham the main character? I mean, she has everything she wants; she doesn't need to act out anymore, right? So who should be the central figure? Well, if Saru's out, it would be back to her again. Yeah, you know, would she be captain of the ship? That would be I mean a collision with Stamets. He's a lieutenant commander. I think she's only lieutenant. It, right? No, she's still a commander. She a commander? She's yeah. Commander Burnham? Yep. You know, well, then she would outrank. Is she? Yep. <laughs> she would outrank Stamets. Right. He would want to work for her, I doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> huh. and I wonder about uh, 
Stamets uh, either pulling rank or or not going along with Burnham being captain, if that happens. Culber knew the risks and had to go. That's his job. Right. How come Stamets doesn't realize that? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, he, I, I know. Mean, he, he argued with Culber to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he has become very paranoid of losing the people that he cares most about right yeah. now. And that, has yeah, been I, since they came to the future, so... I'm not that would sure. jeopardize his position. Uh, would you want him on on Discovery if he's going to be acting like that? He's like another Burnham. Right. Never know which one's going to show up. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely see there's some being being some issues coming up in the future seasons unless Stamets can get his act back together. <laughs> yeah, I just got him back. I'm not going to lose him again. Right. And Fred, I do think that Osiris's deal was too good to be true and that yeah she basically has was able to cover up her lies <laughs> and dancing around the truth yeah I, that, I maybe just danced and asked her the right questions right you know until he finally said oh well you you can't be in this you have to go what right yeah yeah she had stepped yeah, she down did. but she didn't want to be tried for a crime so yeah. that definitely triggered me to think all this was just a nice story telling the federation everything they want to hear yeah 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 pretty much well as always fred we really appreciate your feedback and can't wait to hear your thoughts on the finale now we also have some feedback from jazz what more yes more <laughs> hello this is jazz with a review for discovery season three episode 12 the cliffhanger it uh, definitely was a cliffhanger and I'll be eagerly awaiting the upcoming episodes. I think Tilly did a good job of kicking butt and trying to make sure that the issue was resolved. There was the part at the end where she said, okay, we're going to get to the bridge. And if somebody falls, then we keep on going. So that's harsh, but maybe needed. And I like that Book had said that uh, he was going to stay behind because he thought she was, and her crew, was the best chance that Michael had of surviving, and everybody was excited when Michael came back and said, you're going to need some more people, because those people got blown out to space, so so much for not harming the crew, and uh, I like that part a lot, where she spaced them, essentially, and she did well with having a knife in her knee, or her leg, the knee, I guess, would have been too obvious, but uh, the Vulcan net punch was well done, and I could see it from both sides. Of the coin, I could see Stamet saying his life is in that nebula, so we're going to go back for him. And Michael actually saying, okay, for the good of the Federation, no, you're not. And so that was her thinking outside the box, a little more like Tilly, for the greater good, and not just for herself or for one particular group. It was for the overarching group. And if all that he loves does die, I could see him coming after her, not only not trusting her, but uh, probably wanting to knock her off if her, his entire family dies. And I personally really liked our favorite Smurf and was sorry to see Ren go. And he got poofed to damn it. I liked him. And I guess he won't be returning unless they can reconstitute him, which I don't have much hope for. 
Maybe by seeing him get knocked off, the scientists will agree that Osiris doesn't actually, uh, isn't actually the, the best person in the world, since he only gets to see the good side and doesn't have to worry about where all of his resources come from, because evidently he never really thought about that, or considered that an option. I guess he doesn't read the news. So, that's, that's one view. Osiris, for her part, seemed to actually be telling the truth somehow. I'm sure that's a trick, but the, AI didn't seem to think so, except for the one time that he said that she lied, and it's like, oh, there's a glitch. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So, anyways, I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her or sign any paperwork, because she'd just come back around and say, you know, sorry, now I have everything I want, bye-bye. And the interesting part was, you know, you have to be knocked off, and then I'll sign the paperwork. And she's like, yeah, no, not happening. So she's gonna cut and run, and I assume she's gonna tell the other parties, oh yeah, they were too unreasonable and, and we couldn't come to a deal. Because she's not going to admit that she's the um, pole in the tent, so to speak. And I thought it was all a very good episode. I thought it was well-paced. It didn't have very much humor in it. But it also wasn't horribly dark either. It was interesting that the bully called Sweetheart actually came back, even though he had a black hand. He deserved to have more chewed off by the ice, in my opinion. And he sounded drunk when he started talking. So I don't know if that was the actor or on purpose, but it sounded very weird. And he was there to help shape things up. I guess he finally found the bigger bully to make sure that he toes the line. I love the fact that Grudge was secure, the queen was all situated, and you know everybody else should be so lucky to be in such a cozy uh, setup. I thought that was cool. And I love the fact that the spear data absorbed themselves into the robots, so they all look like Wally. Running around. So I, I thought that was very interesting. And the way that they told her that, you know, they were the Spire Data was to show them the actual humorous video from the 20s. You could tell because it was in black and white. Anyways, I thought that was very clever. And hopefully they will have a happy ending. Uh, they did a lot of kick butt of their own. And it, it actually didn't have very many uh, plot holes. I thought it was made a lot of sense for them to want to merge the two areas, because evidently the Federation isn't as pure as they once were, because they were very isolationist, and they didn't have a very good reputation on the other side of the world from the other aliens. You know, the Federation doesn't help people out. So it's like, yeah, we do. Uh, no, you don't. So they haven't figured out what the Federation necessarily stands for in this time frame, so maybe they're not as helpful and pure and idealistic as they used to be. So there may not be as much of a difference between the chain and the Federation as they like to think. But you never know, maybe we'll figure that out later. I had thought maybe at one point that Ren and Osira were maybe an item, since that's why she kept him alive and only took off his antenna, but I guess not. Maybe her and the scientist are an item since he evidently has a kid, and uh, she likes to keep him protected, but that might only be because, you know, he comes up with new and exciting things for her to destroy or create or whatever. So, you never know, maybe that's, you know, her partner. But uh, I could I could see it from all sides, personally. I don't think that I would have my family go off and get squished for the greater good. I'd say, heck with the greater good, I'm going to go for the family. But that's me. Hope you all are doing well. And it will keep me coming back for more. Once again, this is Jazz. Thanks. Well, thanks again, Jazz, for the great feedback. 
Yeah, you kind of agreed with Fred on uh, Tilly being much stronger in the episode. And yeah, she kind of had to uh, let him know that if somebody falls, they keep going forward, which is a little rough. But when you're that desperate, you got to do what's best. Hint, hint. Are we going to see somebody fall? Yeah, that's... Well, it shouldn't be Stamets because he's in HQ right now. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they've, they've got the nerve to eliminate, you know, one of the characters as a real thunderous end to the uh, this season. Right. Well, if we go by what we saw in Mandalorian, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing that uh, regulator get spaced by Burnham as well. Was that Lisa Berry, the actress? She was in Continuum. Ooh, I can't remember. Sure, could have I been. can't remember if that character that got spaced was Connick, and that was played by Lisa Barry. And the last time I saw her was in Continuum. She was a big part of that. Oh uh, yes, she series. was. <laughs> kind of missed her. Yeah, <laughs> should have kept her around. Shouldn't have spaced her. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Lisa. we could have traded her for Zarek anytime. <laughs> yeah, rather have spaced him instead of her. Wow. And the neck pinch was good to see again. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think. We all agreed that we were sad to see Ren get killed off like that. He had really had a nice little storyline and had really come over to the Federation side there. But I'm thinking we'll see that actor again as another character coming up in the upcoming season. So we'll get to see him again. Interesting that you thought Zara was drunk. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He's a little drunk. Yeah, I I just wonder about some of the characters on this show. It's a little mysterious to me. You, you think that guy would be spitting fire to see those people again? This oh, instead of absolutely! Like, Look at my hand. Yeah, yeah, and choke somebody with it. Yes, <laughs> no? that'd be awesome. Yeah, it was good to see that book did get Grudge nice and secure before they left the ship. Oh boy! And interesting that you thought that the dot twenty threes reminded you of Wally. <laughs> nice call. Yeah, they remind me of Wally. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the first thing I thought of. Wally. And last but not least, I definitely kind of agree with you that the scene with Burnham and Stamets definitely was over the top. And even Fred thought it was a bit mean of Stamets to throw the we followed you into the future line at Burnham to try to rip out her heart, which it did. Yeah. Like we said in the discussion, Stamets seems to be overly protective of what he considers his family unit right now and has kind of forgotten we're in Starfleet and there's going to be risks. <laughs> but of course, yeah, if Culver's you lose have the that. love of your life once and happen to get him back, then yeah, yeah I can. See, I guess. I yeah, guess. See his Col- point Culver's going to need to sit him down though. Yes, <laughs> really. So once again, Jazz, we really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the season finale. We'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? Well, they can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you will find several ways to contact us versus email through social media and Twitter. He's at Sawyer Steve and my, I am at the real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes and every other platform you're listening to us on as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. The 13th episode in season finale 
is on January 7th, and it's titled The Hope Is You Part 2. Uh-oh. There! Uh-oh. <laughs> they hid that from us for the whole season until yeah. this week. And changed the title of the season finale back to... Uh, I don't know. That doesn't... Uh... Speak well for some people on that show. Exactly. <laughs> it does for Michael Burnham, but not everybody else. Yeah. So until then, remember. This is Chief Engineer Steve. It's pretty good for shit, and we don't have to commit atrocities for it. Zap. <laughs> and this is Red Shirt Dave. Now that we know where apples come from in the 32nd century, <laughs> things take on a whole new meaning, like being the apple of someone's eye. Is that an insult now? <laughs> or... Or being an apple cheek beauty. We're not referring to the, the cheeks on your face anymore, but the ones on your <coughs> backside. 